0: Lord, we give you tonight, we give you everything. Wash us clean of our sins. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear what you have for us, Father. And Lord, just ask that you speak through me, give me your words, and let me fall away as your truth become evident. All glory is yours tonight, and yours alone, in Jesus' name. So this week's message is on how do I trust God? How does Tyler trust God? And it kind of came about as I was asking the Lord, just, just what message? What message am I giving? And then I, I've been doing quite a few counseling sessions with a bunch of different people in recent days. And and we've had we meaning my wife and I have had some some a lot of stuff going on in the recent days with with uh, grandparents getting injured, being sick, uh, mother cancer. All, all this all this stuff is just like culminating in, into a storm. And one of the counseling session people had said, Hey, you know, you know, with everything that's going on in your life, you know, if you want to cancel, like that's totally fine. And uh, and previously, I had, I had talked about my daughter's health issues uh, with you guys and, and how there's a potential seriousness to it. And so, I, I was just thinking, like, okay, I gave you guys an answer, like, oh, I, no, whenever a situation pops in, like, I put it in this situation, this section saying, I trust God. And... And as I as I finished it and I kinda, you know, later that night just put myself in your guys' positions listening to me, I'm like, that sound that can sound trite, like a a rehearsed, you know, this is like it, it can sound like a rehearsed, this is a Christianese, is what he's supposed to say in these types of situations. And so I wanted I wanted to explain to you guys. Just how I can do that and how not trite it is, how completely accurate it is, how truthful and honest it is. It's not easy, but it is completely honest. And so, you know, especially now we're looking at all the news and and these things going on. and, And you bring up Psalm 73, 26, and it says, my flesh and heart and my heart may fail but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. And so and and ugh, like I hate I hate when people hear somebody saying, "Oh, I'm I'm struggling with this or I'm struggling with this." And they, and they quote the Bible because then they start to turn with these quotes and the attitude that comes behind it. It just sounds so trite. And so when you hear, you know, my heart and my strength may fail, but God, you know, God, is it, like, it's, it, it taints it. It taints the Bible verse in my mind until the Lord really just washes that taint off. And it says in Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct your paths. And again, another trite verse, you know, everybody, lean on God, lean on God, trust in Him. And, and you know, when you are going through troubles, trials, and, and, and experiencing scary things, health scares, everything, it, it just, like, then you go to the Lord, and it feels like there's nothing there. I'm praying, and I'm like, Lord, crickets. <laughs> and so... You know, I'm supposed to trust in Him. I'm supposed to trust in the Lord with all my heart and lean on Him, yet there's nothing there. I feel like there's nothing there. And so it was kind of interesting because I started asking a few of you, you know, when, when you're seeking the Lord, when you're seeking the Lord and you, and you need Him in that moment, When he doesn't answer you, how do you see the Lord in that instance? And so one of you said, I feel like God is out of office. Like I'm calling him. And he says, this is God. I'm sorry, I'm a little preoccupied right now answering one another prayer. If you would please leave your request after the beep, I'll get back to you as soon as I can. Beep. Like they out of office. That's what I get with God. Another said, God has plans and, and mine be darned. And he just rolls over. It doesn't matter what I, my needs are, my cares are, my wants are. He just steam rolls it. Because his plans are way more important than mine. And my needs in this moment. Another one said that it's a, God is testing me to stand on my own. And that, and that he's just standing by and he won't be there when I want him. He's always going to be there when I need him. But when I want him to be, he's not going to be there because he's testing me. And then mine has always been that in my moments of weakness and my moments of greatest need with him, and I hear nothing back. I get nothing back. Mine has always been God's this big, like all powerful, you, you know, you know, with the genie in Aladdin when he pops out and he's like, oh ph- oh phenomenal cosmic power, right? I see him as that, but he's got his arms crossed and he's just kind of like scowling at me. Like, why 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 are you asking me this? Why are you asking me this? So everybody has an image of who God is when He's not responding. And so in, the, in the, this moment, you know, I've had... I have to be honest. That's not the truth of who God is. It's not the truth of who God is. God does not leave a voicemail. He's not out of office. He's not leave a sticky note on my desk and I and I'll follow up with it. You know, he doesn't say, "Tyler, you get between your prayers get answered between 8:30 830 and 8:35." You know, Tony's 8:35 to 8:40. Like that's not how it works. You know, we can think and that God can only do one thing at a time. And again, that's not couldn't be any further from the truth. And so in the things that I have experienced I deployed for 7 months to Afghanistan. And I know none of the, none of you here have done that. And so I'll, I'll kind of enlighten you that for 7 months I expected every step I took to be my last. Every step there wasn't a day that I could think back and go and, and focus on coming home. My mission was for seven months. If I took my eyes off that mission, depression, everything would set in, and, a, and I would lose focus, which can cost lives. So for seven months, I couldn't think about my wife at home, I couldn't think about pizza. I had to focus on what was there, but I expected every moment to be my last. Any moment I could be shot, any moment I could be blown to bits when I drove, it was just a matter of time before my car exploded. Every meeting I had with the locals, every time I laid my head down, just waiting for somebody to come in and I wouldn't be coming home. And then I get home, and that same feeling of expecting to die doesn't go away. There's no switch. It's like a slow fade. And even years after, I still had those same feelings. And so you would see, I would see God's provision in these moments. You know, we had missions where we would go for a week and I'd be sleeping out in the open just waiting for somebody, waiting for my time. And I'll say this is that season was probably the closest I've been to the Lord, but it was also one of the quietest that I've heard from Him. And I've come home and I've warred with family. And gone through experiences that are tough. Having newborn kids is not an easy task. Not always fun. Lots of (laughs) sleep lost. We've had deaths. You know, and I've said before, a year and a half of no job. With a mortgage to pay. Two kids. Wife. Two cars, electric, food. And I saw him moving. You know, and in my early days, how many of you can say that you ne- you've been, you never went to the same school for two years in a row? And you moved Constantly. Never could get close to anybody. Never could keep friends for longer than a year. And so in all these times it felt there were moments where I saw him but there weren't moments when he was talking to me. And so when you, when you have those constant moments, those consistent moments of seeking Him, praying to Him, crying out to Him in moments and needing it, and He's not answering, it builds up almost a, a callousness, an expectation for Him to just shut you out, to just ignore you. And that's what you expect. So when you pray, you don't expect Him to move. You don't expect Him to hear you. You expect silence. Silence. And then when nothing happens, no voice speaks back to you. You go, well, yep, that's what I expected. A callous God who just shuts me away. And so I have come in my life that when it comes to me and my needs, I don't have expectations with the Lord. I very rarely seek Him on my own behalf, and I think we all can say that, that we rare, it's much easier for us to pray for our loved ones, for our family, for our friends, than it is to ask the Lord for, somebody, for uh, something for us, and a lot of it can lead and stem from this feeling of, well, He's not going to hear me. I've seen Him answer the prayers for other people, so I might as well do something that works, right? And so when you've experienced a silent god you tend to put this expectation on him that he's cold-hearted that he doesn't care he's an uncaring god and even though you say you, you know you're told no 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 he's a god of love and so as I've grown as I've sought the Lord, I have found and He has changed my opinion of Him. Do I still think that He doesn't hear me? Yeah, sometimes. I still struggle with that arms crossed, you know, rock-sized God just listening to me and going, stop talking to me. But if you look... In the Bible, you'll realize that God is not cold-hearted, is not standoffish, but is actually emotional. He is an emotional God. Genesis 6-6. Genesis 6-6. says, and the Lord was sorry that he made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. Can a cold, calloused God be grieved? Can he be sorry? I don't think so. And then if you go to Mark 1, verse 11... Mark 1, verse 11. We'll start in verse 9. It came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And immediately coming up from the water, He saw the heavens parting and the Spirit descending upon Him like a dove. Then a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Does a calloused God call someone their beloved? Does he love? Can can a calloused God be pleased? And you go, well, no, no, no. If you look at the Bible, there's a prime example of him being a calloused God. And I go, okay, I'll bite. Which one is it? Matthew 27, verse 46. Now from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness all over the land. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sakbaktani. That is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And so right there, is a prime example of God abandoning us. God abandoning us. Abandoning his son at the moment of his greatest pain, of his greatest suffering. He's a God that abandons you there. And so when we we read this, we read this, do we really take a step back and try to figure out God's perspective. To look at it from God's perspective. We see Jesus, and he's upset. He's in pain, obviously, and this is the end. Right? This is the culmination of his life right here. But do we look at it from God's perspective? Because Jesus refers to him as God and my Father, the Father, the Father. But do we take a step back And realize how much pain that caused the Lord, how much pain that it caused him to have to turn away from his sin, from, from the sin that was being laid on Jesus. I mean, He just told us that it was his beloved son. And that he's well pleased. But here he is turning. I would bet there was weeping in heaven. Because for that moment, God had to let the plan culminate. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He loved the world. That a callous God does not sacrifice, does not love. He gave everything. Jesus gave everything. God gave everything. So that there would be no more weeping. He had to be hurting. I know I hurt when I see my children hurting, my wife hurting, friends hurting. I hurt. But to see your son whom you are well pleased, your beloved son suffering, he's not a callous God. He has emotions. He's not ruled by his emotions, but he has emotions. And that, that's what I've learned. I have learned through so many hard lessons. Tough life lessons. That my God would not do the things that He has done for me if He didn't care about me. If He didn't love me. And when he doesn't answer my prayer doesn't mean he's distracted uncaring scowling, disapproving that I'm even questioning his heavenly authority. You know, in, in some instant, I th- I think I think there's so many factors into it that go into those situations. You know, he's, you're at, you know, you're crying out, crying out, and he's like, you're 10 seconds away from the biggest surprise of your life. I'm not going to spoil it for you. You know, there's other things that, where we need to learn lessons of trust and faith. Sometimes, majority of the time, he's already told us what he's going to do. And he's already told us three or four times the same thing. And maybe he's just like, if I keep telling you this, it's still not going to get through your head. Just go on what I told you and trust me. So I have lived a life and we've all lived lives. Not a one has been easy for us. Not a one. And you say, well, that person's testimony is way bigger and way harder than mine. That's not the, that's not the point. And I've said this Before. Hey, we shouldn't compare testimonies. But what I have experienced, and come through, and have focused on the Lord and have sought the Lord, one of you in my footsteps may not have come out that in that same direction, with the same trust, the same focus of the Lord. And vice versa, if I'd have stepped into your shoes, who knows? where I would be, if I would be where you're at right now. Seeking the Lord, sitting in church, listening for Him. I could be out in left field. Not even in the ballpark. You know, I've I've had moments where I've prayed the Lord would break my leg. Break something, Lord. Break any freaking bone in my body so I don't have to be done. I don't have to do this. Lord, just take me now. Kill me now. I've had suicidal ideations. Take me now. I'm done. I don't want to deal with this. This is too hard. This is too hard. I'm exhausted. I can't take this anymore. I've sought death. I've prayed for it. I've cried for it. And through boot camp, that was every Sunday. (laughs) Every Sunday, I cried, kill me. Or at the very least, just break my leg so I don't have to do this. It's too hard. And as a parent, I've cried myself to sleep through some tough times, through carrying burdens and the responsibilities that I've assumed, I've cried for death. I've asked for it. But time and time again, even when I couldn't lean on him He showed his emotion to me, how much he loved, how much he cared. And so, in Psalm 28, verse 7, and we've read a lot about David's life, you read it in the Bible. And you go, man, that guy's seen some stuff. He's been through some stuff. I mean, how many of, we've, nobody here has been through a real physical battle with swinging swords. That guy did. He's taken lives. He's been threatened. You know, our, our lives are pretty darn cushy. When was the last time you got threatened with death? Yeah. You know, for some of us, sometimes the worst part of our day is at breakfast. My darn bacon wasn't cooked crispy. It was... But so when you listen and you know David's story... You know that in Psalm 28:7, the Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in him, and I am helped. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoices, and with my song I will praise him. You understand when you have lived the things that I've lived, done the things that I have done. You know that He is my strength. He is my shield. Because I have been to the point where my strength and my heart have failed. You know, when you're in a war zone and your responsibility is... Every decision you make could lead and cause life or death situations. When I took responsibility for the men that I led in Afghanistan and took responsibility of their lives, every choice I make, every time I had to think about when and how I would send them out on patrol, my men, whom I said, I promise to do everything in my power to bring you home alive, even though that's a ridiculous promise that I can't keep. I tried. And I was the last person off that bus when every single one of my Marines got home. Because an officer, as an officer, everyone on that team who was under me was my responsibility. Now, I didn't have the day-to-day interaction, but they were still my responsibility. And so my mission was not complete until those men set boots on American soil and were hugging and kissing their family. Psalm 112, verse 7. He will not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. His heart is established. He will not be afraid until he sees his desire upon his enemies. So how do I trust the Lord? With everything going on, I trust Him because I know who He is. I know He's not a callous God because He's shown me His love. He's shown me His tears. He's wept with me in my darkest moments. He's comforted me in my darkest moments. He was there for me in my darkest moments. When I was saying kill me, when I was saying, take me, he says, I don't want to. I don't want to. Because I have so much more for you. And so when I have come through in the, from those darkest moments, and when dark moments come, I rely on the fact that I know my God isn't doing it out of the hardness of his heart, out of a cruel heart, out of a desire to see me suffer... But because he loves me, because he wants to walk through it with me, show me just how much he loves me and cares for me. And you know, through experiences and conversations with people, when people are being trite, and flippant with the Bible and just spitting out daily bread verses versus people who have lived what they're talking about. And each and every one of us trusts God varying lengths your strength may be trusting God in provision more than I can trust him in provision but I trust him more in security because of the things that we have lived through but that doesn't mean he only operates in provision or he only operates in security you know when young people say well I haven't really lived that hard a life and I say yet again you probably have because the difficult things for you are difficult you can't discount how difficult it is well oh it's not as hard as somebody else's life or somebody else is going through this situation I'm not going to pray. I'm not going to seek the Lord because somebody else's situation is much worse. Every situation we are in is a trust situation with the Lord. Even in the good times, even in the bad times, in the crappy times, every situation is a trust situation. And so, how do I trust God? Through years of experience. Through years of self examination. Through years of replaying situations and looking for God in those situations. You know, not every day is the worst day, not every day is the best day. But do you see God in? the okay days that I went to work I did my job I came home made dinner went to bed did you see God in those days? so how do you trust God? you look for God stop being lazy stop being self-defeating self-inhibiting to looking for God because he's there He can make His presence known. And it's up to us to learn that lesson. How well do you learn that lesson of trusting Him? You know, we've all been through some stuff. But just because we've been through situations doesn't mean that it's still going to be easy to trust Him. But I have yet to find that in a situation, I, you know, let's just say, I trust God at one, right? In a situation that needs me to trust God, I trust Him at a one. I have yet to have God throw me into a situation where I'm trusting Him at one that causes me to trust Him to a ten. The Lord has very solidly gone from a one trusting situation to a two, to a three, to a four, to a five, to a six. Because he knows the significance of building a solid foundation. And in every trusting situation, he has shown me just where he is. And just how strong I am in him. Because we, we can all go, all right, Tyler's 37. I'll be 38 this year. Tyler at 21 could not handle the same things that Tyler at 37 can handle. He couldn't, he wouldn't know how. And I think, I'd like to think Tyler at 21 was decently mature, no. But if I go and look back from 21 to 37, it wasn't a jump, it was a step by step by step building and building and building and building Example after example after example of God doing what He promised in my life. So, how do I trust God? How can I trust God when it seems like everything's crumbling around me? When family's dying? Threats of sickness. When financial issues come up. How do I trust God? And it's simple. It's because He's proven it. Time and time again. He has proven that he is worth trusting. Time and again, that he is worth trusting. Because I have seen every plan that he has made for me come to fruition. I'm standing here now and I have a pretty good life. I have a great life. I'm surrounded by some amazing people, by an amazing family and wife and children. He's worth my trust. He's earned my trust. He has earned my trust. Has he earned yours? Has the Lord earned your trust? Lord, you are so gracious, so faithful. Life isn't easy. But the fact is that you have been faithful beyond everybody else. Beyond every expectation, everything that I've thrown at you, everything that I've whined to you about, every time that I've doubted you, that has not changed who you are and how you see me and how you interact with me. So help me to once again erase my concept, my perception of who you are when I don't get an immediate answer. Help me to see with your eyes, to hear with your ears, and to trust in you so much more. So all glory and honor is yours tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.